Thank you for that. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five. And last week we looked at the really the parenthetical statement that was involved there from 13 down through 17. And uh, this week we're going to look at Romans chapter five, verses 12. And, uh, and then we're going to skip the parenthetical statement that we talked about all last week. And we're going to uh, jump to verse 18 and then down through the rest of the chapter. And uh, we have a simple, it's basically a simple message tonight, but I believe it's important to grasp the truth that's in this chapter. And, uh, and really the bottom line, I guess you could take out of this, uh, is that actions have consequences. And uh, boy, what an important thought uh, to realize and understand. And, and of course, uh, the great salvation that God has given to us. Romans chapter number five, verse number 12, the Bible says in Romans five and verse number 12, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and, and death passed and death passed by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have Sinned And jump down with me to verse number uh, 18. Therefore, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we think about this passage, really, it's um, there, there's two things that are being compared. Uh, it's Adam and the, the consequences of his actions. And then there's Christ and the consequences of his actions in that he did live righteously and that he was perfect. Uh, and, and he died on the cross of Calvary so that we could be justified. And because of his obedience, as the Bible says, uh, we have uh, that salvation. So what a tremendous passage as it parallels those two things. And uh, before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the message this evening. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house, Father, and gather around your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And God, I pray that you would um, help us as we look at this passage, Father, to see uh, the importance of, of the actions, Father, even that we take. And, uh, and God, what a blessing, what an encouragement that, uh, that there is salvation that is offered to all men. And God, may we rejoice in the salvation that you offer. And uh, Father, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, we can see obviously the offense uh, of Adam. Look with me at verse 12. He starts off this thought and he says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have 
sinned. And so he opens up his thought by the fact that, hey, one man's sin caused all of humanity uh, to, to fall into sin. And that's very clear. And he goes th- down through the parenthetical statement in verses 13 through 17. And he, and he really parallels those two things and, and talks about that. Uh, but you can see as well uh, in verse number 18, look at what he says there. I like verses 18 as, and, and 19 as we'll see some of the effects of Adam uh, had on the race. And it says, therefore, as by the offense of one judgment Came. And, and the offense that Adam committed caused judgment. Now, what is judgment? And I thought, I'm going to look that word up. I don't know really how to define that word. So uh, I like to look words up. So I looked that up and it said this. It was an extensive uh, explanation of the word. So I just took a, a shorter one that, was, uh, that, that I thought summed it up well. The, bio, the dictionary says, the process of examining facts and arguments to ascertain propriety and justice. Uh, now, that, that will help us a little bit. The examining of facts and arguments, uh, basically to boil it down and find the truth of the matter. Well, the Bible says here in verse number 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men. If you were to commit a crime tonight, and, uh, and the police would go out, that crime would be reported, and the police would go out, and they would start collecting evidences. And uh, I always was interested in, in crime shows. I don't know why. Not too much, because I, I don't like the gruesome, gory details of it. But it interests me, the, the aspect of the law and, and the detective work and finding all the information. And they would go out and they would collect that information. And based on the information that they were able to gather then, uh, if they found enough information to present in court, uh, then they would would take you to a a judge uh, or a jury, and they would have a case, and they would present, the lawyer would present all the information that they could find. And that judge or that jury then would set in judgment... And they would examine, in other words, they didn't go out and collect, they had, no, they had no knowledge, they're just sitting here, and all the information that is presented to them, then they have to decide, is this correct or is this incorrect? Did this guy do this thing or did this guy not do this thing? And that is the judgment that is taking place. They're trying to decide, as, uh, as parents... Um, oftentimes the parent has to be the, uh, the judge, you know, you got two brothers and, and, uh, man, they're both, uh, they're both crying or going at it and they're fighting and, and, uh, and the parent comes in, what is going on? And all of a sudden, man, you've got both sides. They're telling you, he did this and he did that. And, and the other one says he did this and he did that. And, and all of a sudden you have to decide who started this and who's the guilty party and and what is going on. And you got to try and settle that dispute and you have to judge. You have to come uh, to a conclusion about what you think is right and what you think is wrong. And the Bible would tell us that because of Adam's sin, all of man uh, then will stand before God in judgment. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And there is a judgment day coming when uh, when people will stand before God. 
And it's important to understand, hey, at this judgment, we know what's going to take place. Uh, if you're saved and if you're born again, we don't have to wait for the jury. We don't have to wait for the judge to decide because the things have already been recorded in the word of God for us. And we know where things stand. Matter of fact, look back there at verse number 18. He says this, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to what? Condemnation. And so we know that there is a judgment coming, but on top of that judgment then, we already know the sentence that is going to be handed down. We already know that, hey, mankind, because of Adam's sin, ha has transgressed the law of God. They have broken the commandment of God. And because we are all related all the way back to Adam, go ahead and get on andaccessory.com and they'll tell you that. I'm kidding. I don't know if they will. But you can look in the Bible and you can find out. I mean, there you go. There's Ancestry.com right there, all right? They might not be able to tell you uh, your great-great-grandfather, but they can tell you their super-great-grandfather goes all the way back to Adam. And that we all inherited that same sin nature based on Adam's sin. And so uh, all of man then is appointed to this judgment. And, uh, and if we're not saved, the only loophole there, uh, the only way to escape is not by our righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Without that, we are completely hopeless. But as we look at this, we see that there is a judgment. And we see also that there is a condemnation. Save your spot here in Romans chapter 5. And go with me to Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20, all the way to the back of the book. Revelation chapter number 20. And we can see the condemnation that is given. So the offense caused judgment. And uh, because of that judgment and because of the guiltiness of man, there is condemnation. Look with me in Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 11. This is at the end of time. The Bible says there in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11, And I saw a great white throne. Let me just stop right there and say this. A lot of times we will refer to this as the great white throne judgment. That would be uh, the time when lost people uh, are judged before the throne of God. And I believe it's, that's lost people primarily what this passage is talking about. And look at what it says there. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. In other words, they were trying to flee from the presence of the judge. And there was no place for them to hide. The Bible says in verse number 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to to their works. A couple thoughts I want to stop and point out here in verse number 12. The Bible is very clear that he says, I saw the dead small and great. Listen, there's no doubt that there are some notable men on the face of the earth. They're more well known. They're powerful. Uh, maybe they have been kings or princes down through the ages. But the fact of the matter is, whether you're a great person that is known throughout all of the world, you're going to stand before God. Whether you are a small person that maybe nobody knows you. 
I've had the privilege of meeting some people that you would never meet in your entire life. They live out in the backwoods in, 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 in the mountains of Peru, South America. They'll never come to America. They'll never be able to. They'll never have the privilege of, of rising to, to any notoriety of any, any sort in any uh, shape or fashion. But yet the Bible says, hey, whether you're small, whether you're little known, uh, whether you're great and maybe the entire world would know who you are, uh, it does not matter uh, because they all will stand before God. And so there's no uh, difference between any of these people. Sometimes we tend to think, well, this person is, wow, they're wonderful, or this person or that, they have a lot of power. But listen, before God, it's all the same. And they will stand before God. Look at verse number uh, 12 there. At the last part, it says, uh, well, it says there in verse 12 in the middle, it says, the, the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. And uh, there's several theories out there on what the books are, and, and, uh, and I don't know exactly what they are. I don't think the Bible gives us a clear description. Maybe there, our works are recorded down in books in heaven, and, and I don't really know what all, all goes into all those books. But I do know this, that the Bible says that they will be judged according to their works. That's what they've done. I do know that. That is clear. And, and so I want us to understand that the condemnation uh, is based not on Adam's sin, because Adam sinned, and therefore, now that they're condemned, Adam did sin, but all of humanity then fell, and that sin nature became part of Adam's DNA. I can't find it because I'm not a scientist, but I do know it's in there. And you know what? Adam's sons, uh, they were born as sinners. They were born with that sin nature. And their sons were born with that sin nature. And it is passed all the way down uh, to you and I to the fact that, hey, listen, every person that is born on the face of this earth is born with a sin nature. That's why, and I've said this before, that's why you don't have to teach your children to lie. You don't have to teach your children to be selfish. You don't have to teach your children uh, to, uh, to be vengeful. You don't have to teach your children those things. Why? It comes by nature. It is part of the sin nature that we inherited from Adam. And because of our sin, uh, listen, even, even uh, every person that is born will be, will be judged not on Adam's work, but on their own works. You say, well, preacher, what? Th then that's a works-based salvation. No, no, follow me. This is talking about lost people in Revelation. The Bible says, you can jot this down, two verses, Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5 says, Not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. So very clearly, uh, we cannot be saved by our own good works. It is not possible. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we know that verse. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And there's no way that our own works can save us. Uh, so these people are standing in judgment for the works that they have done. And I believe this passage is referring to lost people who will be condemned because they never trusted Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. 
We can substantiate that going down just a little bit further. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but I want you to see this. Uh, look in verse number 15. And the Bible says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so that's where we get that idea. Uh, that song we sing, uh, there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Hey, the day that you got saved, uh, that your name was recorded in that book of life. And praise the Lord that, uh, that hey, once it's inscribed in there, you'll not lose that. That's eternal salvation. And we'll understand that, but we can just see here that this is part of the condemnation. Look at verse number 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they judged every man according to their works. Back in Romans, save your spot here in Revelation as we'll be back here. But uh, back in Romans chapter number uh, 5 and verse number 18, the Bible says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. And then he goes on, and we see that condemnation. And, uh, and, and follow with me that next phrase. It says, Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. Um, verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. It's back up in verse 12. That's what I'm looking for. Jump up with me to verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So not only do we have the judgment that we see, and we have the condemnation that we can clearly see at the end of time when they will stand before God and they will be judged for their sins. Um, this is for the lost people. And we'll, we'll get to that in the second part of the message. We're looking at the offense and what it caused and the, the, the consequences of those actions. And so we see that death was passed upon all men. Look back with me in Revelation 20. Again, saving your spot in Romans as we'll be back there. In verse number 14, we'll finish out this text. The Bible says after they were all judged, it says in verse number 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death. And so he's simply explaining this is the judgment. See, the great white throne of God where, where lost people will be judged. They'll stand before God and they will be condemned because their actions have transgressed against the word of God and they will have to give an account for those sins. Why? Because they never trusted Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. We're about to get into the good part, but I was reminded, Pastor said it this week, this week in, a, uh, in, a, in a funeral service, born once, die twice, born twice, die once. That old saying. That's true. Listen, if you've been born once, you are sitting here tonight. Uh, but if you've been born twice, as Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and, and you must be born again if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll only die one time, and that's the physical death. Hey, and praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. We're out of here when that happens. Hey, we're going to go to heaven because we're saved and we're born again, not because of our works, but because of what Christ did on Calvary. We have that assurance, and we won't stand in that judgment seat 
uh, before God uh, with the in the in the great white throne because of the work of Jesus Christ that he did on Calvary. And so uh, we can see here in Romans chapter five, this uh, this condemnation that that is passed on all men and that it is death and it's an eternal death. And the Bible is very clear there in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 14 that this is the second death. That's when they'll be thrown into the lake of fire. This is what the offense of Adam caused. But I want us to see this evening the obedience that Jesus Christ and what it caused. Look back with me in Romans chapter 5. I love this, this parallel in verse number 18. He says, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So Adam's offense and Adam's sin caused judgment to be called uh, cast on all men. But then because of Christ's righteousness, that would be his obedience to the law. The fact that he never sinned, not one time, that he lived a absolute sinless life. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to fathom. Why? Because we're sinful creatures. We, we just can't imagine going an entire life. Sometimes we can't imagine going an entire week without sinning. An entire day without sinning. But Jesus went his entire life without sinning. 33 and a half years roughly that he lived on this earth. And he never once had a, had a, a wrong thought cross through his mind. He never once had a, a, a bad uh, um, spirit about him. He never once did a wrong action. He never, imagine this, he never once said a wrong word. Well, that's tough for us. We can't fathom that because we're, we're sinners by nature. I mean, you, you, you push the right buttons and boy, that'll flare up the wrong uh, words, even if they're not uh, cuss words. I mean, they might not be said in the right spirit. And boy, we have, a, we have an abrasive tongue and we're able to cut people down really quick. Why? Because we're sinners by nature. But by the obedience of Jesus Christ, it says there, by the offense of Adam, there was judgment. But by the obedience of Jesus Christ, there is justification. I love that. What is justification? Justification means this, according to the Easton's Bible Dictionary. It is the judicial act of God by which he pardons all the sins of those who believe in Christ and accounts and accepts and treats them as righteous in the eye of the law. In other words, you and I were guilty. Hands down. No problem. We accept that. We understand we are guilty. We have, even if we haven't done the same thing that Adam did, I promise you we have lied, we've cheated, we've stolen, we've done all these other things. We've broken God's commandments. And before God, we would actually have to plead guilty if we were standing in a court of law. But, hallelujah for that. Jesus Christ came and he paid our price on the cross of Calvary. He said, I'm, I'm a perfect sinless person, but I'm going to take the penalty of this person upon myself, of the sins of the entire world upon myself, and I'm going to die in their place. And I'm going to transfer my righteousness to their account. 
It's almost like if you had two, if you had a bank account at a bank and you incurred a lot of debt and you had your home mortgage and maybe you had your car loan and then you went out and, and you lived it up and, and you used a, a credit from that bank and, and before you knew it, uh, you, were, you were half a million dollars in debt. And you said, in my lifetime, I can't pay that off. I don't make enough. And somebody else that had more money in their account said, you know what, we're going to swap. And you go to the bank and you look at the bank account and you're like, yesterday it showed me negative $500,000. And today it shows plus $500,000. Wow, that would be a huge difference. You'd be like, I'm not telling the bank about this error. Are you kidding me? Man, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And, and man, I'm, I'd be going and pulling all the money out I could get as fast as I could. I'd like to make a withdrawal right now. All of it. All of it. Before they discover that error, man, I, I'll fly to South America. I speak Spanish. I can live down there on $500,000. I mean, uh, that'd be okay with me. And, and, man, I'd get that money out in a hurry. And what he's saying is the idea is the same, that, hey, Jesus Christ took all of our debt of our sin that we had incurred that was impossible for us to be able to pay that back. And he washed it all away and he credited our account with a great amount of righteousness that we could never run dry, that we could never drain. What an incredible uh, change that God offered to us. And we have freedom from the very penalty of sin. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You realize in verse number 18, the Bible says that, hey, condemnation were upon all men, uh, for that all have sinned because of our sin. We were deserving of that condemnation. But because of Christ's righteousness and because Christ lived and, and lived a righteous and a holy life and he died on the cross of Calvary, he gives us justification, which is a freedom from the penalty of sin. You no longer have to pay the debt that you owe. Man, what a blessing to be able to know that. Not only that, but freedom from the power of sin. The Bible says in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, we don't have to live enslaved to sin. We can be free from that sin. We can be free from the, uh, the, the guilty and the power of sin over our lives. Listen, as a Christian, we can live victorious. I'm not going to say perfect, but we can live victorious in this world. And praise the Lord, you can go to God. That's why he said in 1 John 1, 9, uh, if you'll confess your, um, your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hey, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can go back to Him at any time. Say, man, I messed up. And I need forgiveness. And I said this morning, keep short accounts with God. Hey, when you mess up, confess it to God. Get it right. And go on with a, with a clean and good conscience before God and say, hey, I want to live my life as a joyful life and you can, and a victorious life, if you'll just go to God. 
and confess it, get it right, and get it gone. And you can continue living that life. Freedom from the power of sin. And freedom from the presence of sin someday. And boy, we look forward to that day. Someday we're going to be in heaven. You know what? Praise the Lord. There is no temptation in heaven. You're not going to be tempted. There's no sin in heaven. There's no sorrow. There's no sickness. There's, no, uh, there's none of that in heaven. Uh, it'll be a place of great joy. Could you imagine being able to live your life uh, without temptation and without sin and without even the thought of it? It wouldn't even enter in there. What a blessing. That's, that's, what, that's our hope. That's what we look forward to in heaven. That's all offered in justification uh, by Jesus Christ. Go with me in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 20. It says, well, in verse 19, we, uh, it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That is justification. Verse number 20, uh, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, we have obedience offers justification and that righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see that obedience offers grace in this lifetime. Uh, go back with me to verse number 18, I believe it is. Yes, it's in 18, the very last phrase. It says, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Condemned people have done nothing deserving of a gift, and yet God offers a free gift, and that is grace. Grace to live a changed life. Grace to live, uh, not to continue in sin. Uh, let me ask you something. You remember in Mark chapter 5, the maniac of Gadara who lived among the tombs and he cut himself and, and he was a wild man, the Bible says, that no man could, could control. And Jesus came. That whole man's life changed. God didn't just say, okay, now you're on your way to heaven. You can go back and live in the tombs. And you can go back and cut yourself. And you can go back and live the way you used to live. No, that's not what happened. Matter of fact, the Bible says when those people from the town, they came and they found that man. And the Bible says he was dressed and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus and he was in a right mind. You know what that tells me? That the grace of God just doesn't take you to heaven, but it changes your life here on this earth. Hey, it makes a difference in how we can live our life. And what a blessing. We don't have to live on our own in this world. But hey, God gives us the grace to go day by day living a life that is changed and that is different. And we don't have to live the way we used to live. Because the grace of God in this life. What about the woman taken in adultery? When Jesus uh, forgave her and they came and they said, hey, we, the law says that we stone her. Uh, what do you say? And, and Jesus, of course, uh, wrote some things in the sand. And then he said, uh, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. And, and they all laughed. What did Jesus say to her? He said, go and sin no more. You know what he was saying? Your life has been changed. 
Don't keep living the same way you used to. Grace to continue down a different path, to live a different life. It's not just justification and that all our past has been uh, washed away and that we've been forgiven for sin, but we also have the grace to live a different life. And we see that over and over uh, again in, in many examples throughout the New Testament. Not only that, but I want you to notice at the end of verse number 21, the Bible says this, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I love this verse, and I love, there's a lot of verses that I just are very clear. And they say this, eternal life. When is the end of eternal? Doesn't exist. There is no end to that. Uh, you go back and, and in real simple verses like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. When's the end of everlasting? There is no end of everlasting. That means that when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only are we justified and all our sins are washed away, and not only did He give us grace to live our life currently in this world, in the wickedness of this world, and live a grace-filled, changed life, uh, but also for all of eternity, He granted us uh, eternal life. And listen, that means we're not going to stand at that great white throne. And we're not going to be condemned and tossed into uh, the lake of fire, which is the second death. Because we won't see a second death. Because we have eternal life. What a blessing to know. This is what obedience offers. So Adam offers uh, the, the, the sins of, of Adam is the offense caused judgment. It caused condemnation. It caused death. But the obedience of Christ causes justification, grace in this lifetime, and grace in eternal life that God has saved us eternally. As we think about that, that's simple. It is a simple message. But I want us to think about this. As I was thinking about this passage and thinking about it, I thought it boils down to our obedience. And we can, we personally have offended God in our lifetime. And, and we know that. Uh, listen, uh, and we look at this and we understand, hey, if we have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, then listen, you're saved again. You're justified. You have grace for this life. You have grace in eternal life. In other words, God has gifted you that eternal life. But I want to bring it down to this it is a personal decision. That is, I cannot decide for you. I wish I could. Paul said that. He said, I wish I could, I could be saved. He, he actually said this, I wish I could trade my salvation so that all of Israel could be saved. That's how Paul uh, thought about it. But the fact of the matter is, it's not possible. I cannot get saved for you. Your parents cannot get saved for you. Listen, young people, it's important to understand this is a personal decision that you have to make in your lifetime. Because your parents are saved does not mean automatically that you are born again. It is something that you have to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. I grew up in a Christian home my whole life. I was, uh, I, I, I was 
man, I was raised in the nursery. I probably learned, uh, you know, gospel songs uh, before I could speak, to be honest with you. But you know what? Growing up in church, growing up in the nursery and going from the the, the primaries to the I'm going to botch those orders because I always do. But the juniors to whatever the next one is, the teen group and all of that. I had to come to a place in my life where I realized that Shane Rice was a sinner. And because of my sin, even though my parents had trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, that didn't do anything for me. I mean, well, it did in that they gave me lots of opportunity to hear the gospel, but it didn't change my eternal destination until I personally recognized my sin and said, I need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I did that. I remember I did it when I was young, and, and uh, I later struggled with that. And uh, when I went to camp, I remember all week they preached, say, if you, uh, you need to know for sure that you're saved. And, and that week I got assurance of my salvation. What does that mean? That simply means that I, I did it all over like it was brand new to me. And I, I, I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. I was 12 years old, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I carried it with me for a long time. And you say, well, why did you do that? I wasn't sure, to be honest with you. When I wrote that down, and I, I did that at, at 12 years old, I, then I knew. I mean, I know I, I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And I know now, hey, if I die, I'm going to spend all eternity in heaven. And there's nothing greater than that. That's because uh, of the obedience of Jesus Christ. And our obedience to that gospel uh, will give you eternal life, not because of our righteousness, but because of Jesus Christ's righteousness. It is a personal salvation. But there's a thought about this. Our obedience does provide our personal salvation. But then also I want you to notice this, that our salvation or our obedience rather can cause one of two things. It can cause an offense unto the judgment, condemnation, and death of many people. Say, preacher, what are you talking about? Listen, the Bible is very clear. Jesus said, go ye therefore into and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We have a personal responsibility to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And if we are disobedient and we do not obey the gospel or the, uh, uh, the great commission to get the gospel to the lost and dying world, then listen, some poor soul is going to be lost for all eternity because we failed on our part. And it will lead to his judgment, his condemnation, and his death, the second death. Because we failed to get the gospel to that person. On the other side of that, our obedience to the Great Commission and saying God has commanded me to go to the world and witness to the world that, that listen, the same thing would apply to that person. If we go now, listen, you can't make people be saved, understand that, but we do have a responsibility to get the gospel to the lost and dying world, to present it to the people that we come into contact with. And listen, if we'll get the gospel to those people, hey, and if they obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? Hey, they can be justified. Hey, they can have grace in this lifetime and they can have eternal life. By our obedience. 
And so it comes down to this, uh, just as Adam uh, 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 disobeyed God, and just as Christ obeyed God, it comes down to our life, yours and I, are we going to, number one, trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior? And you say, well, I've done that. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Number two, are we going to witness to others and get the gospel? Because if we don't, who else is going to go? I remember years ago being in a missions conference, and, uh, and they said, you know, if, if we don't go, who's going to go? And they had a guy dressed up, and he kind of walked across the stage carrying a sign, and it said, the Mormons. They said, the Mormons will go. That's who will go. They said, if we don't go, who's going to go? Another said, guy with a sign, Jehovah's Witness, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they'll go. And if we don't go, who's going to go? And another guy come by, and he had a sign, and the Muslims, they're going to go. And I'm telling you, there are other people out there, and they are, they are, um, they are for a cause. They are knocking on doors, and they are talking with people, and they are recruiting people. While we as Christians oftentimes sit there quiet and not saying anything. And we have a responsibility to get the gospel to the lost and dying world so that they can obey. And listen. Praise the Lord. They can be saved. They can be justified. They can have a changed life. And they can have a life, a home promised in heaven. Will you obey? Will you be saved? Will you go tell others? The obedience, the offense of Adam, the obedience of Christ. And it boils down to where we're at tonight. Will you trust the Lord as your Savior and go to the world? And be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you. God, first and foremost, we thank you for your obedience. God, we struggle really to fathom and to understand how it is you lived a perfect life, but we know it to be true because it's recorded in your word. And so God, while we may not understand it, we certainly believe it. And God, we put our faith and trust in you for salvation. God, help us to be obedient to the Great Commission and getting the gospel to the lost and dying world. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts tonight. God, give us the boldness that we need to be a witness to those around us. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. And Father, if there's one here that's maybe unsure of their salvation, I pray, God, that you would speak to their heart and show them their need for salvation. And I pray, God, that they would put their faith and trust in you personally tonight. And God will rejoice and will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God spoke into your heart, the altar's open.
Secondly, the thought's easy, it's simple. Are you obeying the Great Commission and getting the gospel to the lost, the dying world? We have a great responsibility. And on our obedience, we can see people saved. We ought to see people saved. That doesn't mean they're going to get saved tomorrow. Listen, we can start working on them. We can start witnessing to them.